Aptus Leadership Podcast, episode 129. Playing Infinite Games. We are nearing the beginning stages of my favorite season of the year, and that is fall. I think most people in Oklahoma love fall. The weather's changing. Holidays are right around the corner. Hunting season is happening here in just a few weeks. Chili becomes an acceptable food group to eat again, and perhaps the best reason of fall and my favorite reason. Football season is in full swing. College football is really the only sport I watch religiously, and there's a lot of reasons for that. The season is relatively short. The game is on Saturday, which you can tend to work into your schedule. The kids are talented enough to make the game fun to watch, but yet they're still learning to make it interesting. And there have been some great college football games. In fact, there's already been some good games. If you didn't catch that TCU-Colorado game, you missed out. That was a great game. Probably one of the best college football games of all time was USC and Texas in the 2006 Rose Bowl. And if you love college football, you love that game. It was the national championship game. Many consider it to be the game of the 21st century. Uh, if you did not get a chance to watch that, you should go look at the highlights from back in the day. What made that game so particularly interesting is that the teams were so good. They were so evenly matched. And it was probably going to come down to who had the ball last. And indeed, that's exactly what ended up happening. It was the quarterback, Vince Young, and the Texas Longhorns who drove down the field. They were in the fourth quarter, fourth down, five yards to go on the nine-yard line. 26 seconds remained on the game clock. And this would be the last play of the game for Texas, who was losing by five points. And one of the most iconic plays of all time in all of sports, Vince Young rushed into the end zone with 19 seconds left on the game clock to win the game. And what makes this game so interesting is all the parameters that added drama to the game. I mean, fourth quarter, fourth down, 26 seconds ago. They have five yards to the first down, nine yards to the end zone. I mean, it's those, it's those parameters that added the drama. And that's what gives football in general the drama is the finite parameters of the game. There's a time limit. This game is only going to be 60 minutes of play on the field. There's strict rules enforced by several refs on the field to make sure those rules are followed. Those finite parameters make the game interesting. The game would not be interesting if there was no time limit. Those two teams in 2006 could, were so evenly matched, they would have just went back and forth until Jesus came back, and that would not have been fun to watch. It's the parameters that made the game fun to watch. It's those parameters that help coaches develop strategies to win the game. It's those parameters that allow us to know who won or lost. And so we love the parameters that come with finite games. Americans love sports. We love games. We love the drama. We celebrate the winners and we mourn the losers. But here's the problem that we run into time and time again. While we love games with finite limitations and endings, most of the endeavors that we have in life are actually infinite games. Today's leadership podcast is inspired by Simon Sinek who wrote a book entitled The Infinite Game. And, and Simon points out a very interesting observation about most endeavors that we take in life. He says most endeavors are infinite games. He uses the U.S. War of Vietnam as an example. On January 30th of 1968, the United States was in war with North Vietnam. And on that date, the Viet Cong launched an assault on the United States forces with an estimation of 85,000 troops over a span of 125 different targets across the country. This assault became known as the Tet Offensive. The assault was given that name because the launch 
was during the Tet Festival, which was traditionally a holiday in which the Vietnamese would not fight. And so they, they tried to parlay this into a surprise attack, and indeed it was a surprise attack by the Viet Cong. However, the United States repelled every single attack. In fact, the United States Armed Forces decimated the Viet Cong during the Tet Offensive. In this week's worth of fighting, the U.S. lost around 1,000 troops, while the, Nor- while the Viet Cong, the North Vietnamese Army, lost 35,000 troops. This battle was symbolic of the entire war. The United States won a majority of the battles in Vietnam. In fact, in the 10 years-ish that we were in active conflict with North Vietnam, the United States lost 58,000 troops compared to 3 million troops lost by the Vietnamese. And yet, when you look at the win-loss column in history, it's going to show you that the United States, quote, lost the war. How is that possible? How could the United States win all the battles but lose the war? It's because the United States had an infinite mindset while the Vietnamese had an infinite mindset. You see, the United States had to win the war. The Vietnamese just had to not lose. And Vietnam became a war of attrition. The Vietnamese knew that if they did not lose, sooner or later the United States would just get tired of sending treasure and blood to Vietnam and they would go home. And that's exactly what happened. And this shouldn't have surprised any of us because this is exactly how the United States won her independence. How did a ragged group of colonists overthrow the largest empire in the world at the time? By not losing. It's estimated that in the battles with the soon-to-be United States and the British during the American Revolution, that the United States and England were just about even in the win-loss count. However, the United States won the war because we had an infinite mindset at the time. And Simon Sinek points out that while we love finite games like football, most games in life are infinite games. You see, you think about like a finite game like football, basketball, you know, playing Monopoly with your family. Finite games have known players and known rules exist. Infinite games, on the other hand, have known and unknown players. There are no rules a lot of times, and there's no clear ending, just like our analogy with the Vietnam War. Now, the problem is that most games in life are infinite games, but we're trying to play them with finite mindsets. Let me give you an example of an infinite game. Your marriage. Your marriage is an infinite game. There's a beginning, but if you're going to actually fulfill your vows to go, there is no end until the ultimate end date for all of us, and that is Jesus coming back or we go to heaven. There are few, if any, defined rules in marriage. You and your spouse are going to have to figure those out as you go. You and your spouse are constantly changing. The environment in which you live is constantly changing. The situations that you're going to face are constantly changing. So your marriage is an infinite game. No beginning, no end, very undefined rules, and everything around you is constantly changing. So if if you want to win this game, you can't approach it with a finite mindset. If infinite games don't have finite rules, environments, or outcomes, then how do you know if you win? That's the real question, isn't it? How do I know if I'm going to win in this game of marriage? How do I know if I'm going to win in this game of life if there are no rules and it's constantly changing? Winning in infinite games is defined as a constant forward improvement and progress towards a noble cause. Think about that for a second. Winning in the infinite games of life is defined by a constant forward improvement and progress towards a noble cause. Let's go back to your marriage for a second. How does a Christian marriage know if they are, quote, winning? Well, answer these questions. 
Does our marriage reflect Christ and the church more today than it did yesterday? Yes or no? Yes. Then we're, impro- we're, we're progressing. We're improving. We're winning. No. Well, then we need to take a hard look in the mirror. You know, when you ask ourselves, do, do we love each other better today than we did yesterday? Are we growing closer today than we did yesterday? It doesn't matter how good or bad we were yesterday. The only thing that matters is, are we progressing towards the noble cause of having a Christ on our marriage? If you approach the infinite game of marriage with that mindset, then you know you're going to be happy, healthy, and whole. But here's a rub. We like fixed rules and environments and outcomes. And as a result, we try to approach these infinite games like marriage with finite mindsets. And think about the danger of approaching your marriage with rigid, finite mindsets. You constantly fight because, quote, the other person broke the rules. The goal of, quote, living happily ever after is never achieved because the standard is too high from the go. Or worse, you, have, you really do have a happy marriage for 10 years, but now you're bored because you've, quote, won the marriage game, and now your eye and your heart starts to wander somewhere else. So what does this concept of finite versus infinite have to do with church? Well, I think the answer is pretty obvious. The calling of church leaders is to an infinite game. I mean, Jesus commanded us to go into the world and make disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. And that's a game that's never going to end. That is an infinite game until God says it's over. There is no finish line. We never get to stop preaching the gospel. We never get to stop raising up deacons and elders. We never get to stop showing compassion to the hurting and to the broken. There's no end date to when the kids don't need quality leadership. There's no end date when we don't need Christ-honoring men in our churches and our communities. Jesus made it clear, no one's going to know when the Father's going to send his son back to bring this thing to a close. He's the only one. So we're in an infinite game until he puts the expiration date on it. So we don't know that expiration date today. Furthermore, the challenge for a lot of churches is the environments that we're operating in are constantly changing and moving. The rules aren't the same today as they were yesterday. The world is different. And so we're going to have to have different tactics and strategies than we had yesterday. We're going to have to start thinking a little different on things. Of course, we know the message doesn't change. However, how we approach presenting and doing the work of the ministry is going to have to be contextualized. We see this in in the Bible. Everywhere they went, they contextualized the ministry. So we have to adapt our tactics and our strategies. And just as there are some negative consequences in your marriage and have some negative impacts when you have a finite mindset and an infinite game, so too that same thing can happen in ministry. With finite mindsets, we worry about numbers in church. In infinite mindsets, we worry about being healthy and reproducing. With finite mindsets, we worry about events. But with infinite mindsets, we worry about systems that produce sustainable health. With finite mindsets, we worry about instant gratification of, quote, success. With an infinite mindset, we worry about developing leaders that are going to follow us. Think about this. What good is it to have a 5,000-member church if no one is left in 10 years because we didn't have an infinite mindset? I prefer to have a 500-person church that was actually discipling people and planning churches in 10 years than growing really, really big, and it just fizzles out when we're all gone. So there's some dangers in, in finite mindsets. In church, there's some blessing, though, with having infinite mindsets. I mean, think about the blessings and the benefit of having an infinite mindset. You know, if you have a finite mindset and you have a bad Sunday, then you're just ready to quit. But with an infinite mindset, 
you understand that you're in this for the long game and you're preaching the word. And as long as you're preaching the word, people are going to get healthy. With a finite mindset and you lose a volunteer, you think your ministry is going to crumble. But with an infinite mindset, you understand that a new season brings fresh blood and it brings new passion and that the ministry is going to be better when you bring new people onto the, onto the bus. With a finite, finite mindset, you try something and it fails and now you're worried about being a loser. With an infinite mindset and you try something and fail, you understand that's just a part of the process of growth and so it doesn't derail your joy or your peace in the Lord. Finite mindsets will cause you to push until burnout and then you just quit or infinite mindsets teach you how to pace yourself for the long game. So stop and think about that just for a moment. There's a lot of benefits for having an infinite mindset, knowing that this is a long game and I just trying to improve today from where I was yesterday. Now the question then becomes this, what characteristics or mindsets would allow someone to succeed in infinite games of life? How do, we, how do we develop that? Well, Simon points out five things in his book. A just cause, trusting teams, worthy rivals, flexibility, and the courage to lead. And I'd agree with that list. I think that's a really good list. Now, personally, I hate the application that he used in the book. Um, Simon's very much about social progressive agendas, particularly in corporate America. And so I did not particularly care for the application of this in his book. Uh, you can read the book and determine that for yourself, but I think that the principles that he listed are very true. If we're going to succeed in the infinite game that Christ has called us to, then we need to remember our just cause. This one should be the easiest for us because Christ is the only just cause that matters at the end of the day. I mean, Jesus said he came to seek and save the lost, and Christ came that we might have life and have it to the full. So the mission that he has given us is a noble cause. It's the noblest of all causes. And yet many times we get our eye off that mission because we're so busy doing, quote, church and life, and the mission gets choked out. But when you back away and you really think about it, reaching children and youth, the gospel is a noble cause that I'm, I'm willing to die for. Helping disciple men and women into who Christ has called them to be, that, that's a cause I'm willing to die for. Helping seniors chase after Christ is a noble cause. These are, these are things that will get us out of bed in the morning. So we, we have a noble cause. We just need to remember to have an infinite mindset when we're facing that noble cause. If you're going to succeed in the infinite game that Christ has called us to, then we need to have great teams. Now, this one obviously resonated with me, and I know it sounds like a broken record because I've talked about it so much this year, but the longevity and the health of JFA is going to be rooted in our ability to identify, develop, and release people and leaders into the calling. Like, if we can't figure that out, then, then we are never going to succeed in the infinite game. Our church will not be healthy. Now, that, that, might be, that might be a tall order, but it is what is required. And it's an infinite task. We, we never get to stop reproducing leadership and developing disciples. If we're going to succeed in this infinite game that Christ has called us to, then we need to have a worthy rival. Now, this point doesn't really translate very well to church, you know, as it does in business. You know, churches don't need to be in rivalry with each other. That's not healthy. However, we can draw inspiration from those around us and in, in, in how they are doing things and how they're being used by the Lord, and, and that, can, that can definitely motivate us and stir us. If we're going to succeed in this infinite game that Christ has called us to, then we need to have existential flexibility. And when I heard this point, I was also very excited because, as I told you guys a few weeks ago, 
I believe this has been a, a strength of ours in, in the church. The willingness to adapt, to be flexible, pivot, adjust, has been a, a point of strength in our church in the last three or four years. The world we live in is very fluid. It's very dynamic. And so we have to be fluid and dynamic as well sometimes. So if we're going to succeed in church, we also need to have the courage to lead. The problem with operating in an infinite game is that you're never 100% sure who the players are, who the, what the rules are in this season, or maybe even the environment that you're in. So there's always an element of risk, trial, and error. And frankly, that's going to lead to a lot of failure. But if you're scared of those things, then we're in real trouble because we, we, have, to, we have to attempt things in the infinite game. And what's working today is not going to work tomorrow. And what works tomorrow isn't going to work the day after that. So there's constantly going to be this change, and we're going to have to get used to that, and we have to get comfortable with it. So I want to close it out with this thought. You know, a, a just cause, trusting teams, worthy rivals, existential flexibility, courage to lead. We are perfectly positioned for these things. In order to have this sustainable health, we have to, we have to think about the infinite game. And what that means is we have to start changing the metrics of success that we're using. We, we you know, can really get sucked into the hard metrics that a lot of churches do. You know, how many people were in attendance this week? What was the offering in the, you know, the dollars and cents in the plate, so to speak? However, those metrics do not paint a picture of long-term sustainable health, nor do they paint a picture of gospel advancement. So the question I want to challenge you with this, specifically in your ministry, is what should be the right metrics right now? What should be the right metrics right now? This is something I've really been thinking a lot about, and then I read this book, and I'm really thinking about it even more. You know, we, we need to make sure that when we're in an infinite game, that the metrics we're using are right, that we're, we're using metrics that are pointing us towards growth. So what are the metrics you should be using in your ministry? What are the metrics we should be using in this church? Let's make sure that the metrics we're using are reinforcing an infinite mindset so we don't get stuck in the past. God bless. <laughs>